and good morning. I'd say Happy New Year again, but every, yeah, it's been said <laughs> multiple times. What a, what a blessing it is, though, to be able to begin the new year in worship, right? That's, that's significant. Um, that we would that we would step our first foot into the year just in resting in the Lord. And I thank God for that gift. Well, if you have a Bible, turn to First Peter chapter five, verses one through five. If you don't have a Bible, there's one provided for you. If you can reach quickly uh, underneath the, one of the chairs in front of you, little black hardback books are the Bibles there. We'll look at verses 1 through 5 of 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. And I will say, I, I don't really, I haven't really prepared a sermon per se, um, knowing that we're going to do officer uh, installation and ordination today, as well as communion, both of those things added to the service. Um, I just trimmed especially back here. But I did want to look at this passage together to give context to what it is we're about to do in installing and ordaining officers so that we appreciate this as something far richer and more significant than just a formality, um, but uh, that we appreciate something more about the office or offices themselves. And so let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, together, I believe the words will be on the screen, and I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand in honor of the reading of God's word and attentiveness to his voice in it. Reading out of the English Standard Version, hear the word of the Lord. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray quickly. Well, Lord, we do thank you for your true and living word, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce to the division of joint and marrow, soul and spirit, discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And so, Lord, we open our hearts for you to reveal to us something more about what's there, for you to instruct and illuminate, lead and change in God however it is you would wish. And so we ask with attentive hearts and ears that you would speak, Lord, your word by your spirit, through your servant to your people, for your glory and our good. God has always moved me out of the way. And just allow your word to speak. And your voice to be heard. In Jesus name. Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> well, as I said. I really haven't 
prepared much in the way of um, particular remarks about this. I just wanted to open this passage together for us to uh, regain. We do this every year, and for those of us who are regulars here, this is uh, a little more familiar maybe than those who are newer. But in, in a church setting, in evangelicalism in America, um, where informality is king, right? Casual is king, where in America, um, Christianity has been highly democratized and individualized. And, and I'm not, by the way, laying uh, just vast criticisms at the, at the feet of the church or anything. Thank God, everywhere the gospel is proclaimed and, uh, and where it's changing hearts and lives. But, but we just, it's helpful for us to, to know and understand that we, we are sort of immersed in a church culture where, um, where little is made of church you know, structures and including church leadership and authority and that sort of thing. I mean, it is, we live in a day and age where, uh, you know, lots and lots of people sort of have the mindset that it's just me and Jesus and, and my Bible sometimes, right? And whoever else I might include in my sort of experience with Jesus. And so I worship you know, wherever and whenever and with whomever I wish, and that's, that's sort of what my faith is about. It's about me and Jesus. Well, again, there's much to be said about that and commended for having a personal faith and, and, and a real relationship with you and Jesus. Um, but again, in that setting, uh, very often there is little regard for authority, spiritual authority that Jesus himself has instituted and ordained the, uh, the instruments by which and through which he works among his people. And so, again, I'm, I'm wanting us to sort of stir that up a little bit today, recover some sense of that, bring it to the surface among us. And so, in, in verse 1 here of... Uh, of chapter 5 of 1 Peter, I would point out, of course, it is Peter writing, and he says, notice what he says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. The, the apostle Peter is, as you might know, an apostle. You knew that, right? The apostle Peter was an apostle. Uh, so, and, and we know, we, we hold, they're, they're, those men belong in a special class of their own. Those who walked with Jesus were eyewitnesses um, to all that he did, including his resurrection and so on. We recognize even in the New Testament that they operate with a special kind of authority. They wrote the scriptures for us and other things. We, we, in other words, that's, that's pretty easily acknowledged or recognized. Uh, one of the um, highly significant questions for the church is, when the apostles died, to whom did the authority 
spiritual authority of a church, to whom did that pass? And I don't know how often you've ever even thought about the question. But when Jesus himself left the earth, he left in charge, if you will, his apostles. And when they left the earth, who did they leave in charge? Well, and, and, and churches answer that question differently. It's the reason why we have lots of different forms of church government. We are Presbyterian. Uh, that means we're governed by elders. I'll get to that in just a moment here in this passage. But there are churches that are governed by bishops, like the Catholic and Episcopal uh, Church. Those that are just governed by the congregation, like Baptists and a lot of evangelical churches. And mixtures of all of those in different settings. And the reason why there are different perspectives on that is because, frankly, the Bible doesn't lay it out really prescriptively how is the church to be governed and ordered. But we would say we come to passages like this and see, number one, that the apostle Peter identifies himself as a fellow Elder, that is, that the, that the role of responsibility of elders over the church um, is similar to that which the apostles exercised in the church, that he himself was an elder. The other thing significant about that, I suppose, is that Peter didn't see himself as this highly exalted superior over the church, even though he was. Ordained by Christ himself as an apostle. He didn't lord it over people, but that he considered himself a co-laborer among those elders. But he says here some things that are really instructive to us as a church and to our um, elders and prospective elders. We are today, by the way, uh, ordaining and installing uh, deacons and elders. Um, and I... Very often when this time on this annual service, I will speak in some way to the, those offices. I think last year I may have had more of a message on deacons. But anyway, I'm focusing here on the office of elder, even though we're installing both um, elders and deacons. But he says some things that are instructive here because it, he speaks to the duties of the elders, but also duties of the congregation. And, and part of our um, exercise here, this, this uh, ceremony, if you will, um, has a charge to both the officers and also a charge to the congregation. And so let's just, let's just unpack this together uh, quickly here to see what we see. And first of all, in uh, two general duties, I would say, that he speaks of for elders in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Those are two interrelated duties, I would suggest to you. Shepherding and overseeing. I would also point out, um, I've, we've spoken about this, we, we, every once in a while we'll reflect on this, at our session meetings among elders. But he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. I think this is a good word to church leaders 
uh, everywhere. Shepherd the flock of God that you have, not the flock that you wish you had. We've talked about this in our, uh, in our elder meetings and in our staff meetings. We will routinely begin our prayer time with thanksgiving. Let's go around and share something you're thankful for about this specific congregation this past week, this past month, or whatever. Tell something you're thankful for about our church. Because it is easy for our heart uh, to be sort of led away by all kinds of things that we wish we had more of. The people who aren't here rather than the people who are here and so forth. And it is, it's healthy for us always to desire for people out there to be reached, right? And to, be, to become part of the fold. But you probably understand the difference, right? That it is easy to become discontented and ungrateful for what God's given you. Always longing for what you don't have. And so it is, this is just a good uh, practical instruction here, piece of instruction here. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God elders that is among us. But it's a, it's a shepherding role and it is an oversight role. I point that out because, you know, th- this is, again, one of a handful of places perhaps where we see in the New Testament the um, kind of interchangeable use of uh, the words elder, bishop, and pastor. The, the roots of all those words are here in, in this text. Speaking to the elders, but the shepherding, shepherding is the function of shepherds, of, of pastors. Pastoring is a, uh, that, that uh, word speaks to the same thing. It's a, there's a pastoring role for elders. And that is one of the things that we, we have in the, in the past few years tried to order our priorities such that um, ruling elders can devote more of themselves and more of their time to actually shepherding the flock. And so rather than becoming inundated with management administrivia, if you know that word, you know, just administrative things that are trivial and can really bog you down and take all of your time, rather than uh, getting bogged down with that, we've reprioritized so that our ruling elders can really do what the Bible calls them to do and shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That's why we have an elder of the week who calls on people. That's why we have elder families, if you will, or uh, you know, elders who are just have a certain number of uh, particular individuals assigned to them or families assigned to them to check up on periodically. Shepherd the flock of God, but also to oversee. That word oversee... Um, again, comes from the same root word from which we get the word episcopal or translated bishop sometimes. Um, there are churches that see the, uh, the authority of the apostle that passed to the bishops, the Catholic church, maybe most notably the Episcopal church as well. What we would see here is, again, an interchangeable uh, use of the word overseer, Elder and shepherd, those are all roles of the same office to oversee 
the church while also shepherding the church. Again, I would, I would underscore the fact that overseeing doesn't mean managing. Elders don't have to have their hands in every bit of business that goes on in this church or any other. They don't have to manage it in order to oversee it. So they don't have to be the ones actually doing the planning and the executing of every little thing. There are volunteers that do that. There are wonderful deacons that do a whole lot of that. But there is a responsibility for oversight. But he mentions here, not under compulsion, but willingly. That is, how, how are they to do that? Well, not under compulsion, don't, you know, not begrudgingly, not dragged along. But willingly, it's really a good little sort of gauge on the instrument panel of our own hearts from time to time. Perhaps if we find ourselves in a season as elders where it is less willing our service and maybe more under compulsion. That may be, may indicate something that we need to take before the Lord and say, Lord, make my, fix my heart. Or it may be an indication it's time uh, in the, at when the season arrives to rotate off and uh, not be in that place of service at the time. But not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Here there's, uh, it would seem, some reference to monetary gain to be made by some in that office, uh, that is not the case here. Our elders are not at risk of gaining financially um, from their service here, <laughs> at least not by any legal means. <laughs> Anything they, d- any way in which they did that would land them in prison. But, uh, but not for shameful gain of any sort. We, the, the, the elder ought not to serve in the office of elder for anything that he stands to gain from that. In fact, um, ought to be willing to serve in that role even as it stands to cost him much of himself and his uh, gifts and energies and resources and so on. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering, but being examples. Can you see in the reference to those three Uh, Sort of cautionary words there, not under compulsion, not for shameful gain, not domineering. Can you see uh, some little glimpse of the sinful human heart that's being, uh, that we're we're being cautioned against? Because it is, it is very, uh, very much in the, the sinful nature of man to make things about ourselves, to take rather than give. And to, uh, to want to exercise power over people, control over people. Um, many of you have seen examples of that in the church, the churches that you've been a part of. Leadership gone bad. Uh, and I will tell you... Um, it just, it, it, for whatever reason, I guess because just the way God has designed it, intended, intended it to be, there, there are few things any more toxic 
than a power-hungry Christian. You know, uh, um, a Christian leader in particular. I mean, somebody who really is in the position to, to exercise a little bit of power and then abuses it. I mean, there are few things any more toxic than that. And that's why I say often, even in the, even in the public sphere, I mean, the, the church just doesn't do real well with power. We just don't do real well with power. But it certainly is unbecoming of the elder to be domineering, but rather to be humble and set an example to lead by example rather than lead by dictate or lordship. So those are two general duties, the what and the how there for the elder, then the, uh, the shepherding and overseeing. But it also says something very brief to the congregation. In verse 5, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And then all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Again, I would say, I would say a couple of things. Number one, this idea of submission and humility are just so integral to the Christian life. You see, it, it, once you... Once you've seen it, you will begin to notice it everywhere you turn in the New Testament, particularly in the epistles. That the Christian life can't really be authentically lived without love and humility. That is love really demonstrated in part through humility. Giving of one's own interests for the interests of another. Laying down myself for the good of others. And so the whole church is called to live that way in relationship to each other. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Younger people, subject yourselves to the elders. Again, I mentioned at the outset that uh, in 21st century American culture, submission ain't real popular. I mean, submission to authority of whatever sort, right? There is such a contempt for authority in 2023. It was there in 2022 as well. Just a contempt for authority, broadly speaking, and increasingly so. And, and again, I say that as, as a cautionary word for us to understand as the church of Jesus Christ, we live in the midst of that culture and it ends up, rubbing, ends up rubbing off on us more than we're conscious of. We begin to look more like the culture in a variety of ways than we ever wish were true. And one of them would be an increasing just sort of disregard for um, the authority, counsel, correction, accountability to other people. We might welcome from time to time other opinions, but very often we don't welcome them with uh, spoken with any kind of authority over us or a, a sense of accountability toward them. That somebody else can speak into my life and say, you ought to do this, you ought not to do that. That is not good for you. That's unbe 
becoming of a Christian perhaps to even act or speak that way. That's what we as believers are called to, to be subject to the spiritual authorities in our life, to be clothed with humility toward one another, all of us, all of us toward one another. With open hands, moving toward each other, giving up our own interests and priorities all the time, gesturing that way. No, you first. Please have more. <laughs> 